0: Welcome to BlitzCast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt.
1: Welcome to another episode of BlitzCast, and we are continuing to recap the NFL Draft. What we're going to do this week, we're going to go through division by division, and this week we'll focus on the AFC North. In the NFC North, we'll talk about how those teams did, and we'll look at their individual picks. But the NFL schedule is coming out, and stories are being leaked on the major networks out there. And the opening game is going to be the Dallas Cowboys versus the Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Obviously, that's the game to open the season. Let's talk about the AFC North and uh, let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers and how they did in the NFL draft. They opened the season against the Buffalo Bills at Buffalo. What a tough one, week one.
0: Yeah, that is going to be a tough game. And I mean, especially they're playing in Buffalo, Um, you know, they're going to have to bring their best. And I still have some questions about their offensive line.
1: Well, let's talk about how Pittsburgh did in the draft. Obviously, right off the bat, They knew that they had to address their running back position, and they felt like the running back from Alabama, Najee Harris, was was the right choice at 24.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this is the right player in a lot of ways. I mean, just, you know, a guy who, you know, has good character, you know, came from poverty, um, you know, wasn't really able to, you know, he was sleeping on the floor, um, you know. But football was his vehicle into, uh, you know, getting himself some money, and I think now he's sleeping pretty good.
1: Well, it seems like he has that build, right, of what Pittsburgh always looks for at the running back position. I mean, he looks like a Jerome Bettis, right? He looks like a James Conner. He looks like a Le'Veon Bell. He's built like your traditional Pittsburgh Steelers running back.
0: I mean, I don't even think you, you you can even say traditional Pittsburgh Steelers running back. I think this is better. I mean, this is a guy who's 6'2". He's 230 pounds. He's got great body control. Great core strength. I mean, this guy is an, a, a great athlete. I mean, there's there's nothing, you know, as as far as running back picks. I mean, this is the best running back in this draft.
1: He was the first running back off the board to Pittsburgh before Travis Etienne went the the pick after. Let's talk about what the Steelers did in day two. They uh, they went with the tight end in the second round, and then they filled the the interior offensive line in the third round.
0: Yeah, I really like this Pat Fryermouth pick. I mean he's I think he's you know, he's all around. I mean you obviously want to get Kyle Pitts. I mean Kyle Pitts is the guy to get, but if you're if you're not picking in that territory, Pat Fryermouth can do both for you. Um I think he eventually wins the number one job and I think really the way to use Eric Ebron is kind of as a situational pass catcher.
1: Well, it seems like you mentioned that you have question marks about the Steelers on the offensive line, but they did choose Kendrick Green in the third round, the Illinois center slash offensive guard, and they did take Dan Moore Jr., who played left tackle at Texas A&M.
0: I mean, I just think that's like too little too late on the offensive line. I mean, you know, can a third-round pick who's a really good athlete but maybe isn't as proven, you know, is he going to beat out B.J. Finney for the that center job? I mean, B.J. Finney may – you know, like it, one of the problems that he had in his career was that, you know, he didn't have a chance to work out during the coronavirus pandemic. And so obviously, he, you know, he lost a step in his career. And, um, you know, but now I'm sure he's back in the gym and so forth working out. And so – you know, if he gets back to where he was, I mean, you know, he's proven that he can be a starter in the NFL. So I think they have some depth on the offensive line, you know, and I I mean, obviously, you know, give it two or three years. I mean, maybe this could be, you know, a good center or a guard pickup for this team.
1: Who was your favorite pick on day three for the Steelers?
0: Well, I mean, we already talked about Quincy Rocher. I think that was a pick. I was glad that they went and got a corner. Um, but yeah, the easy answer is Quincy Rocher.
1: Obviously, I talked about Roche last week, but I like Buddy Johnson, the inside linebacker out of Texas A&M. He played in a 4-3 defense, so obviously now he's going to play in a as a buck linebacker, 3-4 inside linebacker. So I like that pick, and I think they chose a punter in the seventh round. You know, the big, like huge Georgia Tech punter who is about 260 pounds. He's going to become like a, a fan favorite, I think, in Pittsburgh just because I've never seen a punter that big. I've seen Sebastian Janikowski. who was just, you know, a little large, a big man, but he was a kicker. Let's go with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Baltimore Ravens had two first-round picks, and they spend it on a pass rusher and a wide receiver.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really like the Rashad Bateman pick. I mean, I think, you know, where they were picking in the first round, I mean, I think that was exactly who you wanted. You wanted a guy who can help you on the outside. You know, a guy who's over six feet, just a, just a guy who you know is a great round runner, and I think he's going to be an excellent receiver in this league. That was a huge position of need. I don't know as much about the Jason Oway pick. I understand this is a guy who did great from a measurable standpoint, and the Ravens are the type of team that can develop those guys, but still, I have some questions about him.
1: The Ravens uh, did not have a second round pick in this draft. In the third round, they went with Ben Cleveland, who's an offensive guard from Georgia. Then they went with Brandon Stevens, the cornerback from SMU, who had a, a good senior year. Uh, how about day three pick? You know they they chose a couple of interesting players. They went with another wide receiver and Tylen Wallace, who a number of acrobatic catches and in college. And then they also chose Sean Wade, cornerback from Ohio State, in the fifth round.
0: I mean, I think I think that's a good value pick to get Sean Wade in the fifth round. I mean, you know you know this guy can play ball. And, I mean, I think I think it's really just character issues that are the question with him. But, I mean, you spend a fifth-round pick on him, so you're not asking a lot out of him. I think this is a good chess move by the Baltimore Ravens.
1: Yeah, it's a great value pick because Sean Wade was projected by many, including myself, to be a, a top-ten pick coming into the 2020 season in the 2021 NFL Draft. Obviously, I don't think it's character concerns. He just fell flat. His film and tape was underwhelming as a junior. As a sophomore, he played better in the slot, and I just think he's going to get his chance on this Baltimore Ravens team to be that nickel corner. I don't think he's going to be asked to, to play the outside just because the Ravens have some pieces there. Was that your favorite pick on day three, Sean Wade?
0: Well, I like the Tylen Wallace pick. I, th- I really like the receiver that he was at Oklahoma State.
1: I guess the question mark, is he going to be able to separate? He looks more like a possession receiver. He makes a lot of contested catches on film, and I guess he can help there. It's interesting that at Oklahoma State he played outside, but at the senior bowl he was more of a slot receiver. It seems like they were working him there, so that that's going to be an interesting combination. But they got both wide receivers that can help in different ways. I mean, Bateman can also line up outside or Or in the slot. You know, as
0: the season goes on, let's say, you know, you got Bateman on one side, you got Tylen Wallace on the other side, and then you got Hollywood Brown. Do the Ravens all of a sudden have, you know, a good receiving core?
1: I think the tight end, don't forget. I mean, the Ravens like to use the tight end in their scheme. So the tight end is still an integral part of that team. And so wide receiver isn't central there in their scheme. And they still like to run the football. Don't forget this. Not only Lamar runs with the football, but we've got J.K. Dobbins still there. They've got Gus Edwards. They still want to run the football, so that that passing attack is still second to that running game. That's That's not what Harbaugh's team is about. They want to establish the run. And then they want to take some of those downfield shots. I don't see them changing it up just because they drafted a couple of wide receivers. Like, this team isn't going to turn into a team that throws the ball, you know, 40, 40, 40, 45 times a game. They did pick up some weapons because they needed some more help at wide receiver. And certainly, I mean, when you're talking about Hollywood Brown as your number two or number three target, you feel much better about it than being the number one guy. All right, let's go to... The Cincinnati Bengals, and, you know, we've beat this to death on the last show. You and I are just not big fans of Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU at number five.
0: Why not protect your quarterback? It's like Penny is now going to be a right tackle for the Lions. And was that the best, you know, chance when, you know, you, you could have really, like, taken a guy like... Penny swell made him on your left side kicked jonah williams into guard and really had like a pretty good left side of your offensive line which is you know a first step towards rebuilding that team and protecting joe burrow i mean i do think that joe burrow probably really likes jamar chase they played together at lsu and that's probably why they went with this pick
1: well in the second round they did go with an offensive lineman they went with jackson carman from clemson he played left tackle in college I think he projects best at as a right tackle or a guard. I just don't see him sticking around and protecting the blind side of Joe burrow.
0: I think right now he's their right guard. I mean that was a good that was their best pick right there uh jackson carmen i think I think as long as you kick him inside, I think he's gonna be a good pro
1: Joseph Asai uh, the pass rusher, the talented pass rusher who just hit, his motor is always running out of Texas. He was picked in the third round. Uh, they felt like Joseph Asai was, was the best player on their board. I,
0: I think he's a better fit for a 3-4 front. I think that's the kind of offense. I think you make him an outside linebacker. I think in the Bengal system, he's probably going to be more of a defensive end. I, I think he's playing a little bit out of position. I mean, he is tall enough. He, is, he does have the body type to play that, but I think you maximize his value in, yeah. in, in a 3-4.
1: It's interesting that the Bengals continued with the theme of improving their defensive line. They went with Cameron Sample out of Tulane, the defensive end in the fourth round. And then they turned around 11 picks later, and they went with your guy, Tyler Shelvin, out of LSU. Was that your favorite pick?
0: Yeah, I love the pick. You have to think that with this new defensive coordinator that they might be moving to a 3-4 defense, and I think that would be perfect if you could put Tyler Shelvin in the middle in that 3-4, you know, make him be your nose tackle, your plugger. You know, some of the other moves, I mean, like Cameron Sample, I mean, that's that's a 3-4 defensive end. I mean, that's that's I think that's how you use him. I think, it, you know, if you switch to a 3-4, a lot of these draft picks make a lot more sense.
1: All right. So again, the the Bengals went with need there. They addressed the offensive line. They addressed the defensive line in, in the third and the fourth round. Let's go to the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns were basically in position of take the best player available at the end of the first round, and and they went with the cornerback Greg Newsome out of Northwestern.
0: Yeah, I think between Greg Newsome and Greedy Williams, whoever's healthy will win that. You know, that sort of opposite. Denzel Ward corner job. So, I mean, that's that's a that's a key position for them.
1: It's interesting. Greedy Williams hasn't been able to stay healthy in the NFL, and, and Greg Newsom hasn't been able to stay healthy at, at Northwestern during the three years that he was playing there. So that's a position up in the air opposite of Denzel Ward. It's just kind of an interesting predicament to be in. But in the second round, the Cleveland Browns got one of the more dynamic players in the draft, the guy that you and I projected in the first round, I don't think anybody was mocking in the second round. And that's Jeremiah Wusukaramoa, the linebacker out of Notre Dame.
0: I think with this pick, I think it was just a heart issue. And I think he's been cleared by doctors and I think it's going to be fine. So uh, this was a nice find by the Cleveland Browns.
1: And then in the third round, you know, the Cleveland Browns turned around and took a wide receiver that's blazing fast, Kind of like a Miko Hardman type of player, but he's more of a gadgety type of receiver. Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn.
0: Yeah, this wouldn't be what I would go with. But I mean, the Browns are in a position where they've got a lot of talent. So, I mean, you know, you could take some risks and go with a high risk, high reward type of prospect in him.
1: Day three, let, let's look at what they did there. They They had five picks on day three. I think there's a certain player that they picked up in the fifth round that you kind of raved about in our scouting reports prior to the draft
0: yeah i do i do think tony fields eventually becomes their middle linebacker and i think he becomes a good one
1: the browns just got a lot of value uh, in the draft and they just stood still they didn't have to move up and just took the best player available so i think the the browns right now are in my opinion the favorites in that afc north division especially after what they did last season and After they won that that playoff game as much as I don't like Baker Mayfield it's just it's hard to ignore the team that's being built around them on defense and on offense. And now they've got OBJ back from the injury. That's got to help a little bit as well. The the Cleveland Browns, I think a lot of people are going to be pushing the Cleveland Browns in the Super Bowl, Ed.
0: Yeah, I I actually think this could be where where the Super Bowl goes. Um, I mean there's still there's still some other options. I mean with Kansas City, I mean Buffalo, I mean those are those are kind of the three front runners. But when it hits to you know prediction time, I think I'm gonna pick the Cleveland Browns to win the AFC North.
1: You know, last year we we questioned the Cleveland Browns, and a lot of people two years ago bought in into the hype because Baker Mayfield was coming off offensive rookie of the year. They had OBJ, Jarvis Landry, they fell flat. Uh, then they got a new head coach in Stefanski, and things just turned around quickly last year, and this team just became the darling. And then they won a playoff game, and I think everybody is going to be on their bandwagon this year. And I agree with you. I'm also going to pick them as the favorite in the AFC North. I'm not a gambling man, but, you know, if Cleveland is going to be like, you know, 15-1 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl, Or maybe ten to one odds to win the AFC, I would take that because in my opinion they would be more of, uh, you know, the right play than say the Bills or some other teams like the Chiefs. I mean they would actually bring you some money because I mean the the Chiefs and the Bills are going to be like two to one, three to one. The Browns are going to be ten to one, and they're getting pretty good odds out there. So I'm not saying Baker Mayfield is the savior or he's like you know better than Josh Allen but they, just, they have constructed the perfect team around them. Those picks have worked out, and the right people are in charge as far as head coach and the front office. They're making the right moves, and, and that's why when we're going to do our preview show later on, you know, closer to the season, Cleveland is going to be a hot team for a lot of folks and not only us. Let's move on to the NFC North division. And the team that just made probably the biggest splash in the entire draft was the Chicago bears when they traded up to get Justin Fields.
0: I think this was the boldest move. And I think if this hits, I mean, it's worth giving up all those picks. I mean, he was, you know, a good dual threat quarterback. This isn't the type of quarterback that they've had in Chicago, but they've needed a quarterback for a few years. And, you know, I respect them for going and getting their guy.
1: And Nagy and Ryan pace need to save their job. And, uh, This is the only guy that could save them here. We'll see if Justin Fields can be the savior in Chicago because they've never had a quarterback like this and they haven't hit on first round quarterbacks in recent past. And I'm talking about Rex Grossman. I'm talking about Mitchell Trubisky. They just haven't had that. Hopefully Justin Fields is going to be able to prove everyone wrong. And then, um, the Chicago Bears chose a right tackle, Tevin Jenkins, uh, out of Oklahoma State in the second round
0: yeah I mean this is a guy who a lot of people thought was a first rounder I actually think Tevin Jenkins will actually be a left tackle for the Chicago Bears I know that's a little different than how you're projecting him
1: yeah that's an interesting take I just don't think he can play there actually I would make more of a case that I think he'll start at right tackle but I think he won't do really well there I would actually push him to guard I think he's very physical. He's a good run blocker. I think he's heavy footed. I'm not saying you gotta have the lightest feet, but you gotta have quick feet in order to start on the as a left tackle and protect Justin Fields' blind side. I just, I think if that happens, Justin Fields is gonna be running for his life uh, more times than not. You know, I'll be honest with you. Like I'm looking at the Chicago Bears day three picks. I really enjoyed it. Like I really liked their picks, and they got Larry Boreham the right tackle out of Missouri. I think actually he's going to outplay Tevin Jenkins, in my opinion. I just I have higher hopes for Borum, even though he was drafted in the fifth round and Jenkins was drafted in the second round. I also like those sixth-round picks as well. What do you think of those?
0: Yeah, I like Khalil Herbert, Thomas Graham's a senior out of Oregon, but my favorite is actually the seventh-round pick is Kairos Tonga.
1: The big nose tackle, a guy who can occupy double teams, he can push the pocket and be that... That run defender, he's um, really good on run support. I like Daz Newsome. I think in the sixth round, I mean, you're getting a guy that can help you on, on punt returns, guy that can pick up yards after the catch. He's explosive. He's got acceleration. If he keeps his head on straight, which is a big if, he's got some character concerns. But Daz Newsome in the sixth round, watch out for that. Detroit. Uh, Detroit Lions. Uh, they didn't have to do much. They just stood still in the first round and and they got the the offensive tackle that is going to help them to to protect Jared Goff I
0: think I think this is a good situation for the Lions I mean they I think they had a really good draft you know, I actually give them an A. Um, you know, I kind of gave some draft grades, and it's kind of hard to grade drafts, especially right after the draft, but I really like their draft for a lot of reasons. I mean, one is, you know, Pene Sewell. I mean, you know, he's a guy who, you know, maybe in a few years, you know, you give him the left tackle job, or maybe he just really excels at the right tackle job. You know, Levi on Wusereich, um, who's another guy I think is a first-round pick. Aline McNeil, another guy I like. Fetu Melfonmu, guy I interviewed, um, you know, very productive, you know, especially a senior year at Syracuse. Uh Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, another great pick. He wins that slot job. I think he becomes the slot guy. And then Derek Barnes, who I think tested very well and I think could help them in that linebacker room. You know, there's a lot of picks that I like for this Detroit Lions team.
1: Yeah, we talked about winners and losers on last week's show and I mentioned the Detroit Lions in my opinion had the best draft I mean you weren't with me there but it seems like they're catching on a little bit with these picks and yeah they address the offensive line they address the defensive line that that's where football games are won they're won in the trenches it's not sexy but you have to stop the run you have to push the pocket in the middle and then you have to protect your quarterback and look the Lions aren't going to be a playoff team this year just because they aced the draft, but this is a, a two, three year project. I mean, remember the, the lines were left and I mean, they were a mess. Your boy, Matt Patricia came in, he was supposed to be the savior and just he ruined the team. Everything with the with the GM and the way they constructed the roster, they weren't able to to do anything. I hope Jeffrey Okuda gets it together in a new scheme, and I'm really excited about Dan Campbell. You know, Dan Campbell is he's bringing that passion. He's really fiery. He comes from the New Orleans Saints. He's had success. He comes from a winning pedigree. He was. He was a tight end before, you know, with with the Giants. He's played in the league. I was a big fan of Dan Campbell. I just think that they might be building something out there with the Detroit Lions ever since Pencil Man left.
0: Yeah, and it just seems like those Belichick hires never seem to be able to get it together. But I used to like those, you know, how the way Matt Patricia, you know, it. I think he got a lot of role players. I mean, now it seems like the Detroit Lions are just getting players who can, you know, help you in all kinds of ways. And I've picked the Lions to win the division, but I, I just I, I do think that there there are bitter days ahead for the Detroit Lions.
1: I think they're in in good hands with with the head coach. The- New GM that's coming from the Los Angeles Rams. They, I think they've got that winning culture, and they just they have to get more players out there. They got rid of Matthew Stafford, probably took a little bit of a step back with Jared Goff, but it's a two-three year process, and uh, the the Lions are still going to be a a five and twelve team or a six and eleven team. It's weird saying that, by the way, Ed. I mean, we've got a 17-game schedule, and it's weird saying 6 and 11, 5 and 12. You know, you've been so used to to saying different numbers before that. But I feel like the NFL in about 10 years is going to have like 20 games on the schedule.
0: Yeah, and I think they're going to keep expanding. I mean, I mean, I just want to say this last thing about the Detroit Lions draft is that, you know, before this draft, I was saying this is the team that's going to be picking number one next year, and now that they've added some pieces, and you know, I, granted, I don't like losing Matt Stafford, but you know, Jared Goff might be able to help this team. He's still a young quarterback. I think this is this is a team that can roll with Jared Goff and try to just you know jump the ranks year by year.
1: Who knows? I mean, we've we've talked about. You know, Aaron Rodgers possibly moving on, getting traded. And if he does, having Jordan Love at center, you know, taking snaps and being the quarterback, basically being a rookie quarterback because he didn't play last year. I don't know. I mean, this division is going to be wide open as I look at it right now. I mean, look, the Lions aren't there yet. You know the Bears aren't there yet, but they have a good defense. That if Justin Fields comes out of nowhere and just gets the fire troops going, you you never know. And then you still have the the Minnesota Vikings. This division could be wide open if Aaron Rodgers moves on, whether it's retirement or getting traded. Right now, Green Bay is sitting pretty, but a lot of it depends on uh, their their star quarterback. And speaking of Green Bay. They just continue to disrespect the Aaron Rodgers. They're continuing not to draft wide receivers. They did draft one in the 3rd round. We'll talk about that, but they decided to take a corner which they needed instead of taking a wide receiver in the 1st round.
0: I have to say this, Alex, Eric Stokes, I like the pick. I like him as a second as a day 2 pick. I don't like him as a as a number 1. I don't like him as your first round pick. So that That's kind of how I see this Eric Stokes pick.
1: Well, he's a press corner who ran in the high four twos on his pro day. I mean, basically, he's he's got the length, he's got the press man ability, he's got the ball skills, and he's got the speed. So it was, it was pretty obvious that he was going to go in the first round. So, I mean, Stokes, I was putting him in the first round quite a bit during my mock drafts leading up to it. I just felt like he's going to be there because teams are always drawn to speed at the cornerback position. But we do know corners are a hard hard position to, to scout. And, you know, obviously you're going to take the one of the fastest guys out there. With the second round pick, uh, the Packers went with the center. They needed one because Corey Lindsley has moved on and, and signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. I was kind of expecting them to get Creed Humphrey. They went with Josh Myers out of Ohio State.
0: Yeah, and I I think this is a guy who who comes in and starts for them right away. Um, I like Josh Myers, you know, not as much as Creed Humphrey, but I still, you know, think this is an okay pick.
1: In the third round, the Green Bay Packers did address the wide receiver position. In the past years, I mean, they would usually take a wide receiver in the sixth seventh round bringing in some undrafted free agents they went with the slot receiver out of clemson amari rogers whose whose dad is is t martin the, the quarterback
0: yeah and this is a guy who showed up at the senior bowl and i think that's exactly why he was a third round pick
1: again they they need some more weapons a wide receiver so drafting somebody like amari rogers who's who's slippery and can do some things after the catch obviously that that's going to serve them well try to talk Aaron Rodgers away from from leaving on day three did you like any picks that that stood out to you uh, for the Packers
0: I guess the pick that I liked the most was actually Kylan Hill I mean this is a guy who was a hot name around the senior bowl and he kind of drifted you know he kind of fell and obviously you know running backs fall and so forth but you know the, the I mean the Packers you know They've they've drafted late round running backs that have hit on them in the past.
1: I'm looking at a couple of other guys that they drafted on day three that just fit their system, like Slayton, the big nose tackle out of Florida. He fits into that three four defense, and you know he's a guy that that could plug the middle, take on double teams. Shamar Jean Charles, he's a corner out of App State who played kind of in a, in a zone scheme. He broke up a lot of passes during his senior year. It really came on. And then Cole Van Lennon, I mean, he's an interesting pick. I don't think he's gonna play tackle, but I just think he has the flexibility to play different positions. And I always feel like the Packers always like to draft these offensive linemen that can play multiple positions. Because I mean if one guy goes down, you you can plug in a guy like that. But I agree with you. Kylan Hill was an interesting pick in the seventh round. Obviously they Green Bay Packers always seem to find those guys late on day three or as undrafted free agents, guys that come in and just contribute for them. All right, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings were rumored to be interested in Justin Fields. There's a rumor going on like that. But obviously the Bears beat them to the punch. So that should be interesting, something to keep an eye on in the future because the Bears and the Vikings are going to play twice a year. The Minnesota Vikings... After that happened, you know, if that rumor is true that they were interested in Justin Fields, they traded down with the New York Jets and, and drafted the left tackle of the future in Christian Darrisaw.
0: And this is the guy who will who will probably be their left tackle on day one. You know, Darrisaw is a exactly who i i like as the left tackle but i think there's a lot of people you know there's a lot of support for him being a first round pick and so um i give the vikings credit i think they're better on the bookends now i think with o'neill and darisaw i think they're better on the bookends and you know i think they added a piece in the interior so i mean it's it's a it's it's a long term project but they're building up that offensive line again
1: well darisaw is an excellent zone blocker and he fits that scheme to a T. He does, and with Riley Reef leaving and free agency, obviously Derrissaw is, is the next man up to occupy that left tackle position. I already mentioned that the Vikings were hot on a quarterback, and it seems like they didn't get the guy that they wanted, the, the dual threat guy out of Ohio State. Keep driving this narrative out there. Justin Fields was, was targeted by the Vikings. Well, the Vikings didn't give up. At the top of the third round, they went with Kellen Mond, then do you think eventually he could challenge somebody like Kirk Cousins? I'm not saying as a rookie, but do you think he'll you know cause some competition there down the line?
0: I mean, I really like this guy as like a number two, and I think he could win that number two job as a rookie. I mean, this is a guy who's very confident in himself, has a great arm. I think Kirk Cousins is your solid number one, and, you know, Kellen Mond is your solid number two. And, you know, you need that, and you need you need both to win Super Bowls and to win in the regular season to make the playoffs. So um, I'm not saying that the Vikings will make the playoffs, but I think at the quarterback position, they're very set.
1: I like what the Vikings did in round three. They had three third-round picks. They found some value, and they got some guys that I think are going to be rookie starters for them.
0: Chaz Surratt's a guy who... Uh, you know, he used to play quarterback. He, You know, he, he's he's he got it from a measurable standpoint. Um, you know, he has good bloodlines. So that's, you know, that's been a recipe for success in the NFL. Wyatt Davis is a guy I love. I think he's a first-round value. They got him in the third round. This is my favorite pick, and I think they did a really good job in the third round. And then they got Patrick Jones, who, you know, this isn't a great edge class, and this isn't a great, you know, defensive end class, but I think they got a guy who can help a lot.
1: Yeah, I think Patrick Jones is just an all-around defensive end. He's not flashy. He's not a great athlete. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to, like, get double-digit sacks. But this guy just holds his ground. He's a very good run defender. Uh, he'll help you. And he's got a great bull rush and didn't have a good senior bowl, And I think that, that's the reason why he fell. And then he didn't test well. But I think Patrick Jones, again, the Vikings, no defensive linemen, And they seem to always draft well. I agree with you with Wyatt Davis. Chess Surratt, again, the Vikings have a lot of success drafting linebackers on day two. And they've done it with Eric Kendricks before. Surratt can help him as a blitzer. He can help him in in pass coverage. I mean, he's a bit raw, but he can do so many things out there. Then uh, let's look to day three as far as the Minnesota Vikings are concerned. Did you like a pick or two there?
0: Well, the pick I like was the Jalen Twyman pick, the defensive end. uh, Or, you know, I think he'd probably be like an inside defensive tackle. Um, You know, he's out of pit. And I like this defensive tackle class. I think he makes the the roster. Um, I don't know if there's any of these that I really love. I like Cameron Bynum, I
1: guess. I like Janaris (laughs) Robinson. Uh, He just seems like the Vikings like to find freaky athletes on day three and try to turn them into more complete players. They did did this with Daniel Hunter back in the day, and he turned out to be a good one. And I think Janarius Robinson, that might be a possibility to do that. And then they got Amir Smith-Marset. He can help them on kick returns, punt returns. He's kind of a a speedy wide receiver who can stretch the field and and be a threat. Who is the team in this division out of the, the Vikings, the Bears, Green Bay? Or the Lions. You think the Lions just walk away as clear cup winners in this draft?
0: I think the Lions win the dra- the this this draft. I don't know if I'm gonna if that's gonna be the team I'm gonna pick to win the division, if you know what I mean.
1: No, I understand that. I asked about the draft. I mean obviously. I mean
0: I, yeah, Detroit Lions definitely. I mean the Detroit Lions might have had the best draft of anybody in the NFL.
1: Assuming that Aaron Rodgers stays around with Green Bay, something that you mentioned last week. Do you think this is the division that that Green Bay should still win?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think with Aaron Rodgers in the fold, they should be the winners of this division for sure.
1: Is Chicago like the biggest wild card here? I mean, can you imagine? Obviously, they still have a good defense, and they, David Montgomery got going in his second year. Do you think if Justin Fields has the type of effect that Lamar Jackson had on the Baltimore Ravens, do you think this team is playoff worthy?
0: Yes, yes. Justin Fields is the big wild card in this division. He's the X factor, and I think he has the potential to, yeah, make this a playoff team.
1: I was looking at the schedule, and I was looking at a couple of more games, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, There's a game opening weekend. To be the New York Jets versus the Carolina Panthers obviously the NFL loves drama Sam darnold versus Zach Wilson the old versus the new it's in Carolina it's not in New York but they know how to build up that drama the the NFL knows how to make that schedule
0: yeah and I mean Sam Darnold will be in a better position, but I mean, I, I think you know, I like you know the Carolina Panthers organization and the way they think, but they're still kind of a relatively changing and evolving and you know growing organization, and there's just not quite, I don't know, I don't know if they're quite a playoff team yet either. So I mean, you know, it's a it's gonna be a hard road for Sam Darnold.
1: But he's in a much better position in Carolina today than he was with the New York Jets even last year because we're not talking about you know the team that Zach Wilson has in New York this upcoming season. We're talking about what Sam Darnold had there for three years, and he had basically nothing. So that's the reason why I'm optimistic that Darnold can still show us that he can be a good quarterback out of New York in Carolina. Do you believe that? Are you still buying the fact that Darnold can – resurrect his career and be a good enough quarterback to lead the team into the playoffs when you
0: say good enough into the playoffs i think they can be sort of a 500 or you know it's a 17-week schedule they could have one or one more win than losses or one more loss than wins but i think they're like a 500 team right now
1: but look at the weapons that he has there christian mccaffrey you know he's got robbie anderson you know they signed david moore You know, they seem to have everything in place for him. He never had this running game in New York. He never had these weapons in New York. And you know, the Carolina team is going to be better defensively this year with some upgrades that they made. I don't know. I'm a lot more optimistic. If McCaffrey can stay healthy and if Darnold isn't going to be the driving force, you know that you're going to try to give the ball to Christian as much as possible. I'm optimistic that Darnold is going to have a very good year in that offense, and it's Joe Brady running the whole thing. That's a really friendly offensive system.
0: I understand that, but I don't know. I'm not huge on the Panthers' offensive line at this
1: point. I just think the Saints are bound to take a step back. They're going to. I don't care who their quarterback is going to be, Winston or Taysom Hill. It's still a downgrade over Drew Brees, even – a 40-year-old Drew Brees, but it's still not going to be the same. You know what I'm saying? The Bucks are going to be there. I have no doubt about it. The Atlanta Falcons aren't going to be good enough on the defensive side of the ball. I think the Panthers have a chance to make some noise. I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but I'm drinking the, the Matt Rule Kool-Aid a little bit. I think this is a playoff team. I think they're going to get in the playoffs as a wild card. You have four division winners, but then you have three wild card teams nowadays. I think the Panthers sneak in as a sixth or a seventh team. They could. I. I, I still think you
0: need that offensive line to to really make it click. I th- I think you need a good offensive line to be. A- uh, you know a playoff worthy team and that was still the problem that he had with the Jets I mean as far as like you know that you talked about the Jets moving on I mean I think Darnold needed a change and I think the Jets needed a change so I mean I, I fully support them trading Sam Darnold to the Panthers and I fully support the Panthers trying to acquire Sam Darnold but I don't think I don't think that's gonna fix it all
1: I think there are three teams that I'm on the bandwagon with this year not the obvious teams that are gonna go to the Super Bowl or go to the playoffs. So I'm on the Cleveland Browns bandwagon, and they were a playoff team. I do think they're going to take more of a step forward this year. Actually, the Browns might be my dark horse to make it into the Super Bowl. But again, we're sitting here in May, and I'm talking about it like we're doing a preview show in September. I also like the Arizona Cardinals. I guess I'm drinking the Kool-Aid with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Kingsbury is in his third season I think they're going to be able to do something there, and I think they have a better team, and I like what they're doing offensively, and I think they're better defensively. Carolina would be that one team that I'm looking at that not many people expect to make the playoffs, I'm sure, but for some reason I just think that they've they've built a good enough team to make it happen. That That's why I'm continuing to be on the Sam Darnold bandwagon. Another interesting tidbit uh, during the regular season, we'll see the number one pick against the number two pick. It's going to be Jacksonville playing against the New York Jets. So I guess we're going to find out who the better quarterback is, or at least during the rookie season. Is it Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson? We might settle that debate, Ed, because, I mean, you know, I went with Trevor Lawrence as my number one guy. You picked Zach Wilson as your number one quarterback.
0: I don't know. I don't like that paradigm because I, don't, I think both of those teams are a work in progress. So I, I'm not ready to call one, either of those the winner after that game.
1: What do you think of Tim Tebow getting a, a tryout? It seems like he's going to sign with with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Or I don't know how this is even a story, but I guess Urban Meyer is just... Trying to get as many of his former players, even college players, on the roster to to try to bring and, and change that culture in Jacksonville.
0: Tim Tebow is a winner. You know the way he talks, the way he thinks, the way he acts. He's a winner. You know he never really held the job in Denver, and you know he he was stubborn in that he wanted to be a quarterback. But uh, you know he's choosing to be a tight end at this point in his career. I don't know if he even makes the team. Let, let's be honest. But I mean you know, sometimes it's just the the quality of the character of the guys who get together. And I mean, he's going to bring some more maturity than a lot of these other, you know, young players, you know, the fringe roster players who, who come in. And I think I think that's that's all really this is.
1: It's going to be an uphill battle for him. He's never been a tight end before, but I understand what Urban Meyer is trying to do. He's trying to bring in as many of his former players that he's familiar with because he's trying to change the culture in Jacksonville. And even if Tim Tebow is going to be there for a month during training camp, he's going to help these young guys understand what Urban Meyer is trying to get across. And again, Meyer coached Tim Tebow with the Florida Gators. They won a national championship together, but you're selling Tim Tebow a bit short. I mean, Denver did choose him in the first round to be their quarterback of the future. I know you were young, but, You know, Tim Tebow did win that playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's his big highlight moment ever uh, in the NFL.
0: Well, I I think I know that being uh, where I live and uh, being the Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) fan around here. So, you know, I've definitely I've definitely been reminded a few times by my friends about, you know, the Demarius Thomas prayer, but. I mean other than that really that playoff game i mean did tebow win another playoff game in his career i mean it, it just seemed like it kind of spiraled downhill after that that pittsburgh steelers win
1: everything spiraled out of control for for that team and and tim tebow never never became a consistent enough quarterback i mean being a, a first round pick i mean you're supposed to be good and he did lead them into the playoffs but you know that was not his his doing he had a pretty good team around him and uh That was his best moment in the NFL, but Tim Tebow might be my most favorite college quarterback of all time as as we go back. I mean, he was the ultimate winner with the Florida Gators, and he won a lot of games. I mean, he's up there with, with some of the greats. If he's not the best, he's definitely in the top three as far as college quarterbacks are concerned thank you for listening to another episode we'll break down the next two divisions as far as the draft is concerned and take care everyone